With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the On The Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glenn, and this is episode 43 of the On The Banks podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11. And, of course, you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. There are many ways to listen to this episode and every episode of the On The Banks podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcast and Stitcher. Just search On The Banks podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud. Just search OTB underscore SB Nation. And, of course, you can find all of our podcasts and so much more content by going to onthebanks.com. It is crazy how fast summer has gone by. We are into the month of August. Rutgers football, yes, Rutgers football is only 25 days away. As we gear up for the football year, make sure to hear every episode this season as the On the Banks podcast is the only podcast that brings you not only great coverage of Rutgers, but an in-depth breakdown of the opposing team with a reporter or broadcaster who covers them. So make sure to listen as each week I will not only be joined by someone covering the Scarlet Knights, but someone who covers the opponent as well. As we move towards episode 43, this one to me was a real special one, as I am joined by one of the many Rutgers alumni who have gone on to do huge things in their career. Joining me is Catherine Tappan, who many know from her extensive hosting work on NBC Sports covering the NHL, the Olympics, and of course so much more. We will certainly discuss her success, as you'll hear, and how she reached the level she is at now, but we also go in depth on her time at Rutgers, her time as a student-athlete, her time in the School of Communication and Information as a journalism student trying to make it. We discuss her mentors, and let me tell you, Rutgers fans, she brings up quite a few names that many Rutgers people are very familiar with. We discuss, most importantly, how she serves as an inspiration to many young women who aspire to be sports broadcasters just like she is. She provides a platform for female athletes and leaders to share their voices on the On Her Turf podcast. She is an example of someone who has certainly broken through obstacles thrown her way to reach the goals she set before her. So without further ado, I am so happy now to be joined from NBC Sports, covering the NHL, covering the Olympics, a Rutgers alumni, Catherine Tappan. Time to talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. She grew up in New Jersey, graduated from Rutgers in 2003, was a member of the Scarlet Knights cross-country and track teams during her time as an undergraduate on the banks, and you can now see her all over NBC Sports, hosting NHL coverage, Olympics coverage, and so much more. I am now pleased to be joined by Catherine Tappan. Catherine, thanks so much for giving me some time and coming on the podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me, Lance. I'm excited. So let's start by talking about your time at Rutgers. Before you even became a Scarlet Knight, you had Rutgers in your blood. Your late Uncle Tom Tappan is a Rutgers Athletics Hall of Famer, one of the leaders of the football team in the early 60s. So before you even got there, that Rutgers-Tappan connection was already present. 
You were given the opportunity to continue your track and field career at Rutgers. Remembering back to having that chance, what were the emotions like? How special was it to have the opportunity to represent your state school and, of course, represent the Tappan name at Rutgers? Yeah, I mean, I, I was so proud of what my uncle had accomplished and growing up, um, you know, he's he went on and became a Marine and was a very accomplished businessman in his life. And it was I always looked up to my Uncle Tom. He was he was like a second father to me. Um, he lived in Chicago and I would go visit him. And it was always Rutgers. I mean, he watched the football team every weekend. He was so proud to be a Rutgers alum. And, you know, growing up, you don't know where you want to go. I didn't have like a dream of the university I wanted to go to. But throughout high school, uh, I was starting to accomplish pretty good milestones in my track numbers and times and realized that maybe Division One would be a place I could go to. And at the time, one of my best friends in high school, Deirdre Mulcahy, her father was Bob Mulcahy, and he was an athletic director at Rutgers. And we were going down our senior year um, to games and football games. And, you know, I, I started to become a little bit more of the Rutgers community. And here I had this personal connection from my uncle and knew how great Rutgers was. There's actually a great photo of my sister and I, I must've been five six years old <laughs> at our, at our beach house in Maine. And I've got, both of us have Rutgers hoodies on and we're eating ice cream cones. And it's because he like outfitted us in his Rutgers gear. Cause he was so proud of, of where he had attended school. So, you know, I spent some time there in high school through Mr. Mulcahy and just was around the athletes there, was around the program, realized that there was a school of journalism there, which was exactly what I wanted to do. I knew when I was in eighth grade, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. And I thought, gee, you know, I'm looking at all these other schools and attending, you know, official visits at liberal arts schools and places all around the country. But man, I really like Rutgers. And I you know, have the opportunity if I came here to be a part of a division one program to study journalism at a very prestigious journalism school and to also be in a place where my parents could come see me for my track meets. And I'm very close to my family. And I grew up in Marstown, which is only about, you know, 45, 50 minutes to Rutgers. So all of that coming together, it was my senior year that really opened my eyes to the opportunity of attending Rutgers. And uh, I was fortunate that Roberta Anthes, who was my cross-country coach at the time, uh, offered me a position in training camp to join the team as a walk-on. And I thought, well, if I can just get my foot in the door, like anything in life, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this, and I'm gonna earn it. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I know my times aren't as fast as the top seven that have scholarships, but I'm gonna be a part of that team, and I know I will. And sure enough, I did earn a spot, and and it became just a part of me. And I'm so glad that I live in New York City, and I can I can come back, and I can attend events, and I can, you know be on an email chain for anybody that needs me, a current Rutgers student or anybody in the journalism school or Steve Miller contacting me. I mean, I just looking back, I can't imagine have going, going to a place that was far away where I wouldn't be able to give back as easily as I can now because proximity wise, I'm close to Rutgers. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just so proud. I'm so pl- proud to be, uh, you know, a former Rutgers athlete, but also to just say I went to school at Rutgers and people are like, Oh, you know, they, <laughs> they know, they know it's a great university. You know, you had success on the track while at Rutgers. And in fact, when you look at those record books, you still see Catherine Tappan 11 minutes and 24.07 seconds as the third fastest time in Rutgers history in the 3,000-meter steeplechase event. <laughs> that makes me so proud. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen, I, I've got one redshirt season left in track. I was oh, my freshman year, so look so out. So we got to sign I you up, honestly. And, yeah, I might, <laughs> I might come try and get that record back. But, 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I've just. I'm just proud. I'm proud to say that I'm a former record holder. I'm proud that I still have somewhat of a place in the record books. I mean, at the end of the day, though, you know, my teammates and my coach made me that athlete. I came in there as a walk-on. I didn't have the greatest times in the world. I was a high school athlete. I'm super competitive, and I, you know, I played a ton of sports growing up, and it just so happened I, I wanted track and cross-country to get me better at my other sports, and it ended up being my better sport. So, um, it, it goes to my message, and I say this a lot about everything with my career, too. Like, you never know where life is going to take you. Don't ever close the door. You know, if somebody said, we're going to offer you a track scholarship, I'd be like, what? Track? No, I play <laughs> basketball. I play softball. I play tennis. Like, track is not on my radar at all. Uh, but it became that. And now, look, yeah, number three in the record books. That's pretty. I'm pretty darn proud of that. That's pretty cool. So, Catherine, you have, of course, had a very successful career in sports broadcasting. I would think that your time as an athlete at such a high level has been a big benefit to you as you discuss and broadcast college professional Olympic sports. How has your time competing and going through the daily grinds of college athlete, how has it or how did it help you now in your career in front of the camera? Yeah, there's no question. Um, th- there's zero doubt in my mind that being an athlete and being competitive, um, you know, paved the path for the confidence that I needed to go forward in the career that I chose. I host a podcast called on her turf and I've had the opportunity to interview over the course of the last year. We launched it last fall. Um, probably over, over 30 female athletes. And I'm talking gold medalists from Kerry Walsh Jennings to the greatest golfer in the world, Annika Sorenstam to, uh, Sonia, you know, Sonia Richards, Ross, Jackie Joyner, Kersey, like you name it. Ibtihaj Muhammad. These are tremendous role models. Number one in their industry, in their sport. And every single one of them, including myself, talks about the importance of sports, especially for a young female and a young girl in her developmental ages and stages. Um, For me, growing up, sports was always just a part of what I did from a very young age. Um, I, in my town, I grew up with the boys and the the boys baseball team and the boys basketball team. Um, And there were a handful of us, a handful of girls in my town that were also a part of that because those curriculums weren't available to us unless you participated with the boys. So you learned on Saturday mornings, you know, at boys AAU basketball practice at the public school that, and I was going to private schools. Like it was all big for me. It was like, Oh my gosh, I'm around people. I don't know, but I'm just going to play ball. Like I got to (laughs) just, I got to play the way they do. You know, I, I tie my sneakers the same way they do. And I put my shoes on and I, you know, my dad made a point to show us how to tuck in our stirrups and make sure we look like a, you know, like a pro out there playing little league baseball. And um, all of those things are so important in the development of a young woman. And I think then moving into college and being a part of the athletic program at Rutgers was something I do not take for granted. I look back and I consider myself blessed and lucky that I was to be able to part of that because I was surrounded by women who were strong and women who, you know, I lived with the women's lacrosse team because I had four girlfriends who I was super close with. My track teammates were right across the hallway. Um, The field hockey girls, the soccer girls, they were all in our complex off campus at Birchwood apartments. Like everybody was part of the same community. And Oh, by the way, all the guys teams, they were there too. And they were coming out supporting us. And it showed me that like you can fail and you might not 
like for me, I, maybe I didn't run my best time, but at the finish line were all my buddies who were on the baseball team and the football team, my parents, my sister, like everyone's still there, no matter how you finish, they're still cheering you on. And that gives you a tremendous amount of strength and a community and a network, like right when you get into college. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, you don't have to go division one. You don't have to go big like that. You don't have to earn a scholarship, but if there are programs that are available to women at division three, or I had a cousin that was from Maine and she was debating whether or not to play basketball in college. And she was going to Emerson in Boston. And I was like, do it. I mean, why wouldn't you, you can decide after a couple of years, it's too much. You can quit. You can, you can move on and take on other opportunities, but to be a part of a sports team in college and, and to have that extra network of friends and people who are cheering you on is you can't replace that and you can't mimic that with anything else you do. You mentioned how you on your podcast on her turf, you talk to so many great women that have overcome so much to reach the top of their sport and career. But unfortunately, women go through so much adversity and so many challenges, especially in sports related fields as they try to gain the respect they deserve. I have women in my family that are in sports broadcasting, and they've told me of the struggles they faced. You don't have to go into specifics, but did you go through challenges on your way to success, and how did you overcome and, and even use that adversity as motivation to reach the top? Yeah, there's no question. First of all, I'd be curious to know who your family members are in broadcasting. That's pretty cool. That'll be an off-podcast conversation. Yeah. Um, I'd be very curious to hear you know, who you're connected to in the industry. Um, you know, For me, I get asked this question a lot. Um, I don't believe we are where we need to be. I don't think in any industry, whether it's Wall Street or, you know, uh, marketing or sports broadcasting where I am, uh, I don't think we're quite where we need to be. But I love the trend upwards that we're going towards. And I love, you know, all the great accomplishments we've had. Have I faced adversity? No question. Um, there have been moments where male bosses of mine have doubted me. I mean, I'll never forget being brought into the office of an executive at CSTV, which was the first job I had out of college. It was college sports television and they had just launched and they were hiring me. And I'd gone through a couple, I won an audition and had gone through a couple, you know, reps and a couple on-air broadcasts for them. And I got called into one of the executive's offices and he basically sat me down and was like, we don't like your work. Now he, he didn't like my work or said he didn't basically belittled me and told me I needed to go back to school and that I should consider a journalism school. And I was like, but I just, I graduated with honors from a journalism school. Like, what are you talking about? And at the time I didn't put up a fight. I just sat there and listened to it. And I walked out. I mean, I was 23 years old, trying to get into the industry, trying to learn my way. And I sobbed when I left and I sobbed the whole way home and I talked to my parents, but it was a mentor of mine who I really leaned on, who at the time was a tremendous mentor of mine, a former Rutgers athlete as well, Tim Pernetti, who um, was on the football team there and went on to do great things in his career and still does great things in his career and is still a mentor of mine. But I will say this, that that's going to happen no matter what you do in life. For me, the way I get through it is leaning on my circle. And my circle has gotten a lot smaller as I've gotten older. Uh, I trust very few and I respect very few that I can truly lean on. But I will say, like, I encourage people, you've got to find those inner, that inner circle of yours that can give you that strength in those weak moments. There are times when I go on the air, there's, you know, there's definitely times even now in my career, I've been doing this for almost, you know, since I graduated in 2015, uh, t sorry, t 2003, up until 2019. So probably 15 years there. And I, there are days where I have lack of confidence. There are moments where I'm feeling lesser than I should. That's just, you know, some days you wake up and you don't have it. 
and I know exactly who I can call or text or send a quick note to to be like, shake me out of this. You know, what am I what am I thinking? And they do. So I just think that that's really important. You've got to have the people around you. You can't rely. Sometimes you have to lean on other people. And those are moments when you do. And it's okay to be weak. It's okay to feel those vulnerable times. Like you're only human. You're going to feel it. But uh, being prepared and leaning on the people you care about is going to get you through it. You mentioned Tim Pernetti as one of your mentors, of course, you know, former Rutgers football player and athletic director. You mentioned that you were in the School of Communications as well, a journalism student, just as I was and so many Rutgers alumni are. And in the School of Communication, there are so many professors, one you mentioned before, Steve Miller, someone who I consider a mentor as well. How did the School of Communication really help you reach your goals? How did it put you on the right track towards achieving the success that you ultimately have had? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, taking Steve's class freshman year, I mean, I was like, what? There were so many kids in the class. I went to a high school with 49 graduates. Like I was, it was a small all girls Catholic high school in New Jersey and it was Villa Walsh Academy. And it was, I mean, coming to the first like 101 comm class, I was like, oh, there's no chance. I'm going to fail out of school. Like, How how am I even going to do this? But Steve made it so captivating, so interesting we were all engaged. I was engaged. You know, I went from sitting in the back couple rows, my first couple classes, which is like a huge no, no. And I know I was not taught to do that, but I was scared um, to moving right up to the front. And I was like front and center. I remember every guest speaker he had. Um, and I took a couple other of his courses throughout the course of my career. I also loved that the journalism school brought in real life people to teach classes. Um, I'm remiss to remember his name. Uh, I had a, a law professor in one of my journalism and law uh, classes, and he was a he was a lawyer in the area, and he came twice a week to lecture at Rutgers. And I have to go back in my books and look, and I'm like, feel terrible. I don't remember his name, but I learned so much in that class because he was teaching from a real life perspective, and he was teaching us with real life knowledge and real life, you know, colloquialisms. Like he wasn't he wasn't this professor who I just felt it was this higher body of education that I really didn't relate to because I'm more of a real life, real person, you know, and he, I, he totally, I connected with him. And then I remember my senior year, Tim Pernetti came in and spoke to our class. He was an executive at ABC sports at the time. And sorry, it's my junior year. And he came in and he gave a guest guest talk and there were 15 of us in the class. And after class, he said, if anybody wants to talk to me afterwards, please come up, feel free. I'll give you my business card. And I did. And I introduced myself and I told him what I wanted to do. And I took his business card and I followed up with him. And that's how that relationship grew. And that following summer, I asked him if there were any internships available. I went in on a couple interviews at ABC sports and my junior year going into senior year, I had an internship at ABC sports in New York city, like the coolest thing on the planet because I had taken the time. And because Tim Pernetti was available to us as a former Rutgers football player coming back and speaking to his university, you know, and I flip it around now, I've gone back and spoken at Rutgers. I've gone back and I've been a part of different athletic conferences that they've had. And I do the same thing. I'm like, here's my business card. Here's when I'm available. Call me, email me, like whatever you want. I'm here for you because that's how your network grows. That's how you pay it forward. And, you know, through the journalism program, I learned to connect with those people and I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for the school communications. You were honored with the Women of Inspiration Award back in 2014 by the Boston chapter of WISE Woman in Sports and Events. That's got to be, I bet, one of the greatest accomplishments of your life, knowing how much you inspire young women who have a passion for sports and similar interests that you do. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I even, just hearing you say that, I get choked up. I mean, I, I obviously follow the WISE Network. I love what they do. And when they contacted me and said that they were interested in me being the, you know, that I was according to their voting and their curriculum and everything, that all the qualifications that go into that award, that I was the recipient that year. I mean, I was I was blown away. And um, I invited my mom and my aunt to come up and my sister and I had my friends there. I even had some of the male journalists that were in the Boston media um, came and attended that event. It was at the TV garden in Boston. And it, for the, it was one of the few times that I've been asked questions. And that's why, you know, when someone like you or at that event, someone comes to me and asks, you know, can I, can we talk to you? Like, I love it because I have a voice too. And a lot of the times I'm the one doing the interviewing and you don't get to hear really what I have to say. So I love that I can share my voice and my opinions because I do recognize that I have a role model place in this industry and with women. Uh, and I'm so honored to, to, to be able to say that and to be able to have that role. But I also believe that, you know, there were so many women I looked up to and just being even considered as one of those women that others are looking up to is tells me that I've done something right. Uh, I love sharing words of wisdom. I'm super honest with women, young women that come up to me and they want to do what I do, or even if they're in an industry that's similar but they just want to know advice. Uh, I love sharing that. I love talking to other women in my industry. Um, there's there's a sense of empowerment you get from people that are real and genuine. And that's something that was taught when I was a kid. Uh, my parents are incredible and they raised me to be humble and all these great things. But through that, you gain a sense of authenticity. And, and through that authenticity, you can share real life wisdom and be real with people and it, it resonates with them. So um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful we have this On Her Turf podcast platform now because I can ask the hard questions of women. You know, I don't really ask them X's and O's about their career. I want to know more about how do you balance, you know, Carrie Walsh Jennings, how do you balance life as a mom of three? You're going for an unprecedented another gold medal in Tokyo. You're, you know, post 40. Like, how does this all work? How do you make it work with your husband? What You know, and I get real answers like, well, my husband and I are in therapy. Like we go to a therapist, we hash out our differences and they're the most loving couple in the world, but she's real with me because I can be real with her. And I love those voices. That's what's going to make women that come next better. That's what's going to make all of us better. Um, and, you know, you got to love social media, right? That we have these <laughs> platforms to do it. Love and hate relationship with social media. But for this for this moment in time, yeah, it's a positive. You know, I love having Rutgers alumni on because at Rutgers, whether you're a student athlete or not, most everyone leaves with great memories. I've gotten many unique answers to this questions from alumni like Todd Frazier, Deron Harmon, and others. Thinking back to your time as a normal college student away from the track, what are some of your favorite memories of your time at Rutgers? Oh my gosh, so many. Um... Well, everyone always says, like, oh, did you go to the grease trucks? I think I went to the grease trucks once in my <laughs> entire career there. And I was so overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, my God, there's a lot on this plate. Um, but that was, yeah, I mean, obviously, you got to mention the grease trucks. I loved, I loved my Friday and Saturday nights. Like, yeah, I was an athlete, and I was super regimented and disciplined. But, you know, after our track meets on Saturdays or we'd drive the bus back from – Pennsylvania at Lehigh or Bucknell or one of the places we were running at and like it was time to go out on Saturday nights and I love going to the Golden Braille and I love the $1 slices of pizza and I mean my social life at Rutgers was amazing I was also an honor student and on a track team and cross-country team and indoor track like you can do all of that and still have a life and I think Rutgers is 
great in that regard. I met so many friends. Um, I loved going to the spring sporting events. Like I loved going to lacrosse games and cheering on my friends. I loved going to baseball games and, you know, the late Fred Hill, God bless him. Like what a great program he had for so many years. Um, I loved, I spent one summer there in off-campus housing and I thought that was pretty cool. I felt like I was an adult, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to go home this summer. I'm going to live in my apartment with my friends. (laughs) Um, yeah, those are great experiences. Stuff your face. I think stuff your face is still there, right? Still there, still there. Yep. Yeah, the fish bowls. Like, come on. I mean, <laughs> um, it was just. I don't know. I just. I reconnected with so many friends over the last five years, I'd say. And and again, social media does that a lot. But former teammates of mine that I kind of lost touch with, former friends of mine, people that work in different industries that reach out and they're like, "Hey, I remember we were in class together this day." I'm like, "That's so cool," and I remember that class. Like, there are very few moments throughout my four years at Rutgers that I don't remember. Um, to me, everything is so vivid. The The passion on campus for the RU pride and for such a big university and such a diverse student body, uh, it's pretty close-knit. And you get that sense on campus. You see everybody wearing Rutgers sweatshirts and T-shirts, and um, it's awesome. I mean, there's – yeah, I have so many great memories there, and – I get nostalgic when I go back. I'll be back this fall. I think I'm going to be at the Rutgers BC football game. And I'm like, I know, like, I know what that tailgate's going to be like. I know what that passion's like in the stands. I went back for a game this fall and it was awesome. And it it hasn't changed since I've been there. And uh, that's pretty cool. That's a special, special trait that Rutgers has. All right. So I have four quick answer questions in front of me. Would love to get your answers. We'll start with number one. Would you rather eat a bowly from Stuff Your Face or a fat sandwich from the grease trucks? Ooh. Oh, my God. Probably a bully. I love the chicken and broccoli bully at Stuff Your Face. That was my fave. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with the bully. Back when you were a student, which campus was your favorite to be on? Rutgers College, main campus. Yep, I loved College Avenue. I loved Easton Avenue. And like I said, I lived down in the Birchwood Apartments for three years. It was, yeah, that was definitely my favorite campus. We all frequented these places plenty, and me maybe more than others. Pick your favorite. Old Queens, Olive Branch, Golden Rail, or Scarlet Pub? <sighs> oh, it's got to be between the Olive Branch and the Golden Rail. We always went to the Golden Rail like late night, so how could you not have a great night after of course, you know, of course. going to a couple other places? Um, yeah, I'd probably say the Golden Rail. One more question I would love to hear your answer to. Did you ever fall victim to the dreaded RU screw? <laughs> Wait, rem- okay, remind me. Give me an example of the RU screw. I feel like I didn't, but. So I never went through the RU screw, luckily. But, for example, a friend of mine was once double-charged tuition. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say no. And the reason I say this is, yes, I. It's funny because I've heard about it, but I I just don't really remember ever that happening to me. But, um, you know, I was a part of the Rutgers curriculum, the athletics curriculum. So we had academic advisors all over us. We had I mean, there were always people in place to make sure like there were no loopholes. And we were fortunate in that regard. It's like, here's my classes. Here's what I want. Yeah, there were times I didn't get the number one choice I wanted with classes, but I wouldn't consider that. Are you screw? It's just like, hey, uh, that's not. One, you're not smart enough to take that class, or two, like it's already full, maybe take it next semester. So, no, I wouldn't say I fell victim to RU Screw at all. Um, So that's a good thing. (laughs) That makes me keep coming back to Rutgers for more. 
you were certainly one of the lucky ones, no doubt about that. You can watch her on NBC and NBC Sports. She is a great representation of Rutgers Athletics and the university as a whole. Catherine, thank you so much for giving me some of your time on the podcast. Thank you, Lance. Always a pleasure. Happy to come on anytime. And uh, thanks for reaching out and having me on. I appreciate it. I want to thank Catherine for joining me on the podcast and taking some time to discuss her time as a student athlete, her time as an aspiring sports journalist during her college years, her path towards her goals in the field, and how she uses her platform to inspire others who dream of doing what she does. Catherine's kindness and willingness to help others is evident in the way I was able to set up this interview. You know, I reached out really on a wing and a prayer hoping for a response. I thought it would take days to get one. You know, I thought maybe, you know, she'd be busy. Um, And frankly, I was prepared not to get one at all. But the day after I reached out, she responded right away and was more than willing to give me plenty of time. A complete stranger to her, she was willing to hop on the podcast with me to discuss not only her time at Rutgers, but everything since. Her story is certainly one of determination to reach her goals. You know, she mentioned how she wasn't offered a scholarship, only a walk-on opportunity on the track and field and cross-country team. She just wanted to show that she could compete at a Division I level, and well, she certainly did. To this day, her name is still very prominent in the record books, sitting third in the 3,000-meter steeplechase event. She overcame challenges, tough days, and adversity to reach her goals and inspire so many. You know, we talk about at Rutgers how we have the best alumni, and Catherine certainly is one of the best. Whether you see her on air or see her during her visits to New Brunswick, she continues to make all the Rutgers faithful proud to be Scarlet Knights. She is a great advocate for this great university and continues to show the world what Rutgers graduates can do here on the Banks. Follow On the Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On the Banks Podcast.